passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Baseball America Fantasy Podcast. This is your host, Jeff Ponce. I am here alongside the main event winner from 2023. And you might be wondering, how are the Blue Jays involved in the Shohei Otani bidding? Well, Dylan has pulled his money. He put in some good investments, some good bets. He hit big on crypto. I don't know. If, is that still possible? Could you still hit big on crypto? I don't know. He made some investments. He quadrupled his money. And he's now he's now willing to foot the bill for Shohei Otani's first year in Toronto. He's going to pay fifty million dollars out of pocket. I uh, I'm letting the people in on your scheme here, Dylan. I don't. Not everybody knows about this. Actually, no one but but me. Not even you. But let's talk to the people about how you're going to lure Shohei Otani. Uh, Actually, I found a better return on investment instead of offering to pay for Otani's services in Toronto. I actually just paid Dave Roberts to talk about meeting him. It was much cheaper. <laughs> you you're the one that's that you're the reason that, that, that there's the leaks that you, you didn't repurpose the money for the first year. You're just you're playing the you're playing the mind games. You're out there, you know. Exactly. <laughs> working the internet trolling farms and up overseas and and all that. It's a conspiracy. <laughs> I'm actually very excited about it. I, I really think, in all seriousness, that uh, the Jays seem to be some serious players in this Sotani thing. And, uh, like, I don't want to get my hopes up. but uh, It looks like the Dodgers and the Blue Jays right now. Yeah. Because so the Cubs like... are out of it, right? And we don't, there's some – Hoyer had words with Bob Nightingale at the winter meetings recently in the last couple of hours. There was a tweet about that. Um I don't know if that means maybe means the Cubs aren't on it or they are. I can't imagine if he's looking for a winning organization, he's going to go back to the Angels. Could be wrong. You never know. Here's the thing, though. 
And this is the thing that I want to throw out there. When the Otani initial signing process was going on, I wasn't at Baseball America. I don't even think I was at Prospects Live. I want to say it was maybe about to start Prospects Live. I think I was at Rasball still. And I was all over it, right? And the thing that stuck out to me is it was the Rangers, it was the Cubs, it was the Mariners, and it was the Dodgers. So those are the teams we kept hearing, the Yankees. But then we heard it was only going to be West Coast teams, okay? And it was like, all right. The Angels were not like this top-of-mind team. I think the prevailing wisdom, the day that he signed or around the time he was going to sign, because obviously it was that window, was that it was going to be the Mariners. And it was the Angels, and I think people were a little bit surprised. We had heard he maybe wanted a smaller market. People kind of like, it's still L.A. And so I don't know how much the rumor mill means anything, and I wonder if there is a mystery team out there. But it does seem like because of some of the financial situations in baseball, and I know we're getting really in the weeds here in our fantasy baseball podcast opening, but because of some of the regional sports networks, the RSNs, and the things that teams that were connected with a lot of those have struggled with because they're not earning the revenue that they were, you know, in my youth and and in their heyday where it was like the only place I could watch the Red Sox was Nesson and like, you know, the Yes Network on the Yankees, et cetera. That's not the case necessarily any longer. And you know, so a lot of those business models obviously aren't doing well. Teams are tied to that. And I do think there were some bigger losses than what people have let on in baseball or what many want to admit. Um, sure, we would ideally like to see everybody was in on Otani. But, you know, just for example, I was talking with somebody yesterday involved in the Red Sox organization. And you look at their current roster construction. They kind of have too many DHs and guys that are probably going to be DHs that are coming up for Otani to fit in. I, I, you know, if, if, you know, adding Otani and you have to play Yoshida in left field, you got a lot of money committed to him. He's not the only guy that's kind of DHs either that's on that team. Uh, Raphael Devers is at third base. He's going to play third base for a while, but kind of DHs. So, like, I can see why a team wouldn't want to invest $50 million into Otani. If they're if they're constructed a particular way, now just from a pure baseball perspective, of course. So I don't know how much I trust all the rumors, but I will say, I got a Blue Jays fan in this house. I write about the Blue Jays. I get to go onto the pregame shows and stuff like that from time to time. It's good for the Jeff Ponce business if if Otani sides with the Blue Jays. I just talked about myself in the third person, like Bob Dole, but like it is. I, I you know, so I I personally I'm rooting for it. None of my teams got the first pick. The Rockies had a great chance. The Cardinals were right up there. They all dropped down in the lottery. I don't have the Guardians of the Reds to write about. So, come on. Daddy needs a little juice here. Come on. I texted somebody with the Blue Chase today. It was like, please sign up, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it makes a lot of sense. The Jays want a left-handed bat. They have a spot at DH open. They're in their window. Like, Toronto will embrace him. Huge multicultural community. Uh, I mean, they're Canada's team, so he'll have a whole nation behind him. So it'll be like two nations fully behind him. Like it makes a lot of sense. We don't need Toronto. Doesn't need a, a pitcher really right now. So like in 2024. So there's no like pressure on him to hurry up and heal because we need you back. That type of thing. It's uh, it does make a lot of sense. 
But of course, you know, once he signs with the Dodgers, it'll be like, yeah, of course, it was always going to be the Dodgers. <laughs> In hindsight, or retrospect, yeah, I, it looks like I it think been. that's where the smart money lies. But I do love the idea of him. Being in Toronto, you'll get opportunities to see him more often. I'll get opportunities to see him more often. And I think, like, a lineup where you have Otani, Vlad, Bo Springer, David Schneider, potentially. How could that not be fun? How could that lineup not you – know, and the other thing, we'll see what Manoa comes back like. We're going to turn this into a Blue Jays podcast. You know, we'll see what, what version of, of Jose Barrios we get next year. It's still a pretty deep rotation when you think about it. It's just a matter of some of those pieces, you know, being what we thought they were. They entered last season with a real shot as contenders, especially if Dalton Varsho has, you know, an 850 OPS <laughs> as opposed to the year that he had. And Manoa is you know, even three quarters of what he was in 2022 as opposed to 1%. I mean, it, Manoa's season could not have gone any worse, you know, on all accounts. So and you got like Matt Chapman who hit in the first half, but then was almost like at points like unstartable in the second half. He just was not hitting at all. So it was a really unusual year for them. I think when you look in their, at their lineup on paper, it's still pretty good. And they do have some close to the majors sort of depth players and other guys like Orelis Martinez, which I think is an upgrade at second base. It could be a really good lineup next year. And if they added Otani, obviously I think the middle of that order would, you know, go pound for pound with anybody. Well, especially when they trade Manoa for Juan Soto, it'll be a great lineup. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. They, they need Manoa back. He is, he is in the gym though. I've been, uh, monitoring on, on Instagram to see, uh, how he's doing he's posting from his brother's dingy gym down in miami and that is indeed a good sign so there we go um other winter meetings news and notes not a whole lot there a lot has not happened we haven't had any big free agent signings yet we just kind of got the first real trade i would say right i mean there's been a couple of trades but not anything substantial where um we have a Red Sox and Yankees trade. It's it's been so slow that the <laughs> the only trade that happened was a trade that no one expected to happen. So Alex Verdugo was traded to the Yankees, um, left-handed hitter, probably from a power perspective, a huge upgrade going to Yankee Stadium versus Fenway, um, just in terms of the depth and dimensions of right field at each of those parks. Um, always been a solid hitter. There's pretty good skills there. Um, not always consistent though. And I, I think he's always lacked upside. It's kind of, you see what you see is what you get. It's, it's an, an everyday regular, maybe a slightly above average everyday regular, um, in return, the Red Sox get Richard Fitz, who I think has some starting opportunities has shown some good traits over the last couple of years. Um, but not somebody that you're going to anticipate is going to be, uh, a, a major part of your rotation for many years to come or anything like that. Um, Greg Weissert, who is a pretty good reliever. And then was it Richard Judice from Louisiana uh, Monroe, eighth rounder from the Yankees last year. Is it Richard for the first time, right? Um, so kind of interesting. We're looking at his stuff, college stuff. He didn't pitch in pro at all. Um, but young, interesting arm, kind of an interesting slider, like mid eighties with some sweep. Um, 
fastball was like 92, 95, but dead zony. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what it is. Or it just could be the Red Sox trying to move on from him and get some pieces that they can package together and make some other deals. Who knows? Let's hope there's some wheeling and dealing here. Well, I know he, he had, like, I know Boston kind of soured on him. I know he had the, the fight with uh, Cora or whatever. Uh, he didn't hustle or something. So he was benched for, you know, about a week or so. So they're probably one to get out from underneath him for a while. It's interesting. I'm looking. So his power, 2023, 2022, 2021, last three years has been 13 home runs, 11 home runs, 13 home runs. So not very good. But if you go on Savant and their expected home runs by Park uh, for the Yankees, uh, last year he would have had 12, so not much change. But then 2022, 20, and 2021 he would have had 19. So, you know, 20 home run power is a lot better than 12 home run power. So yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe he gets rejuvenated, yeah. Maybe he uh, he's actually uh, more fantasy relevant this year than he's been the last couple of years. So I, I've always liked Verdugo because he's, you know, always been like a 280 batting average guy. And in, the, in those he's rounds. He's a good blue guy. Yeah. yeah exactly. He's like the guy that can offset taking somebody that hits 210 with like 40 bombs. You're like, all right, like I can get some of the power back with the 40 bomb guy and then offset his average with Verdugo. He's exactly one of those plays in Roto, right? Um, for sure. Also, I guess this was this was this technically winter meetings? I guess it was, right? I can't remember if it was before the winter meetings or after. Right on the cusp. It was Sunday night, so it, it had not happened as of yet, if I remember correctly. And that is uh, Jared Kelnick is traded to the Braves uh, alongside Marco Gonzalez and, oh, uh, oh, Evan White. So kind of just dead money I think they wanted to get rid of. The Marco Gonzalez thing, he threw 50 innings last year. There's an elbow injury there. I do not know where he is in his rehab. I haven't seen any quick reports. There might be something out there recently, some updates. Some people, like, I know I talked with JJ yesterday, and he kind of mentioned, like, well, maybe he could be, like, that back-of-the-rotation depth guy that they need who can eat innings. Coming off an elbow injury, if he didn't have Tommy John surgery, that's a big old shrug for me. I have no idea if that's going to be the case or not, if he is a guy that can eat a bunch of innings. I think this trade was purely Mariners moving some num- uh, moving some money off the books, getting rid of, you know, of Kelnick, which I think needed a change of scenery for, for both of them the organization as well as Kelnick. He goes to a really good situation, I think, with the Braves, one of the better hitting coaches in baseball and Kevin Seitzer. See what he can maybe do uh, with Kelnick, and maybe they can rejuvenate him. Also not going to have the same amount of pressure, sort of eyes on him. He's going to hit lower in that lineup. There's not going to be as many expectations. Um, But I I assume he is their Eddie Rosario replacement as Rosario is a free agent. So um, could be kind of interesting there how he fits in. You know, I think some people are probably going to gamble on it um, for fantasy. I don't know if I'm still totally buying in because I think that there's going to be a little bit of helium after the trade with the price tag. Like if you had bought him three weeks ago, fine, right? Uh, you love it. But right now, I don't know if I'm going to take the chance yet on Kelnick. I still want to see him produce and, and, uh, See if, you know, he can take that sort of next step forward into being an above average, you know, regular and uh, we'll say a, a, a top, I don't know, 100 fantasy bat. He's been outside of that. So I don't think that's that's jumping huge. But I don't know. What are your thoughts on, on Kelnick and sort of 
how do you view him for next year? I think it's a positive change. I'm just um, I'm lukewarm on whether I'd want to acquire him or not. Yeah, I think it's tough. I mean, I think if he was to land anywhere other than Colorado, I think you'd want it to be Atlanta. He, I think him not being the guy will take some pressure off of him um, since he'll be like the eighth guy hunting that lineup. Um, so I think that's good for him. He doesn't have the pressure uh, on him to produce. He's still only going to be in his age 24 season. Um, so he's still very young. I think after the trade, Ken Rosenthal reported that Marco Gonzalez was not going to be on the Braves by the beginning of the season. He was going to get traded. So I think it really is just Kellenic and money to the Braves. So I like it. I think, but I do think he's going to be overdrafted this year. Um, people are going to take a shot on him. Um, and he'll probably is not going to meet his draft cost. I like it in Dynasty, though. He's only 24. He's going to be like, probably hopefully like a 20 home run 10 to 15 stolen base guy in the in the Braves lineup is going to get counting stats so i think he's going to be a good asset i guess in dynasty i mean i prefer him in dynasty to, to redraft i guess after this trade is what i'm trying to say um but i also don't think you're going to be able to get him so i think if you tried to tr- offer the the Kellenic owner a trade, you're not going to get anything close to what you'd want because that person is going to be holding on for this potential lottery ticket. So it's, I think it's good for his career. I think it's going to be good. I think it's ultimately good for him. Um, but uh, I'm not sure how it's going to shake out. Yeah. Uh, kind of, kind of feel the same way. I don't know if I'm, I'm fully bought in on it and uh, you know, Cole Phillips goes the other way. Carlos has said that he would have been outside the top 40 in the Braves. Uh, that seems insane to me. <laughs> I don't know if Phillips isn't throwing. He was 97 to 100 miles an hour with a good breaking ball prior to the draft. I think people really liked him when he got drafted. I don't know if his elbow is a, a mess. You know, Braves aren't a bad pitching organization. Mariners are a really good one. So, I don't want to bet against Cole Phillips turning into something here, especially with the horsepower that he showed as an amateur. Some time to get all that back. Maybe they liked him beforehand, have something figured out, think they they can they can get him back to where he needs to be. So um, to be uh, to be determined on that one. So to be continued, we'll uh, we'll figure that out. We're going to take a quick break here, and then we're going to talk about the big news. That'd be the top 50 dynasty list that we didn't mention at all in the opening <laughs> <laughs> that we released today. And this podcast is based around that top 50 dynasty list. Uh, we'll be right back after this break though. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search match with indeed. If you need to hire, you need indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. That's why I use Indeed for our hiring at Baseball America. It allows me to do everything on one website. I get quality candidates. I can schedule them. I can interview them. I can screen them. I can send messages to them all within Indeed. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. All right, and we're back. Uh, As we teased before the break, we're going to talk a little top. 50 dynasty list. Um, this is sort of a ceremonial post figurehead, so to speak, to kick off our ranking season. Uh, we're going to be going position by position, starting with catchers next week. We're going to have a corresponding article, supplemental article with each that kind of breaks down some targets some or some buys, some fades, some sleepers, that sort of thing. We did that within the rankings post last year. Uh, we're going to go a little deeper this year. And we're going to be rolling these position rankings all the way through December and through January, culminating in our big old dynasty list. We'll have a prospect list as well. Uh, so putting all that that beautiful work together. Um, but it was kind of fun to start off with a top 50, I felt, and kind of establish and get the board figured out and how things sort of, sort of relate to each other uh, up at the top because it's one less blend that we have to worry about because we already know how those pieces fall. But that being said, like I felt like it was a good exercise. These are fun players to write about, number one. But just sort of getting into the mind state of like thinking about the rankings and how they relate. Uh, you know, this player versus this player, this prospect versus this veteran, how to factor in age and production and, and then fantasy value and trying to look at all those sort of areas and, and put together your uh, your ranking based on objective and subjective factors. So um and then I combined it with, with Dylan. I think we both really like where this list came out. Uh, but I do think there's some some interesting talking points with some of the players. But what were your, your overall thoughts on the process and the, and the final product? Uh, I know we did something similar last year, but I really felt like it was later in the – because of when you started, it was later in the, in the offseason. And we were at, like in a absolute fire drill to get everything done in time. So <laughs> I, I – I, uh... I liked it, the process this year, much better than last year. I started earlier. Um, what I found encouraging was we were in that fantasy tool shed mock, the two of us that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Um, and like the top 50 picks, maybe the top 100 picks were kind of, I wouldn't say chalk, but the top 100 were basically who I had in my top 100. So that, that was a good validation that, you know, we're all kind of on the right track of how we're valuing uh, these dynasty players. Um, and then it just completely opened up. So I think the readers are going to have, uh, are they're going to really enjoy when we go into the positions once you get into like the 20s and all that, where it starts to diverge. Um, I think that's going to be very interesting because I think that's where you can, you find the gems, you find the, 
the values is like everyone knows, you know, Julio Rodriguez is very good and Pete Alonso is very good. But then when you get down into like the Ben Rice and Justice Bigby and all that, it's like you don't really know how they slot in into a top 600 or, or so. And so I think the readers are really going to get a, a lot of good information out of that. So, I mean, I, I followed my basic process, which is projections, my projections, age curves, try to like figure out like a three-year value. And then I rank, the way I do it is I rank within position, which gives me a good head start on, on when we do the position ranks that I'm kind of like, okay, let me figure out first baseman. Is this guy better than this guy? Is this guy better than this guy? Once I get those and I can blend that with the second baseman. Um, and then my, my whole list kind of shakes out that way and, and uh, comes together. But so it's, you know, it's more data driven. Um, this year I, I, I used war um, using like kind of war curves to see, I, I, I mean, I think it's, it's intuitive that someone who's like a six war player is going to be getting full time at bats than someone who's, you know, uh, a 0.5 war player, but good bat that, you know, he's on the bubble of maybe not making it because he's a DH, that type of thing. So I had that inform my rankings a bit more than I did normally, um, normally meaning last year. Um, so I kind of like the way it worked. Um, it felt a bit more kind of, um, systematic the way I approached it. And so it, I, I felt a lot more confident in, <laughs> in my ranks this year. Yeah, no, uh, I agree. And I, I think like, I tend to break things down, like similarly, um, breaking into like position groups, combining those, and then ranking out prospects separately, and then sort of figuring out where I think they fall from a future value standpoint. And I think in terms of how I think about future value, it's very much like war driven. And then it's a matter of like, all right, if we're going to get to a similar place with a player like this, who has better offensive skills, what's the balance there? Cause there's only a certain sort of threshold you need to meet in terms of defensive abilities to get everyday at bats. If you're a great hitter. Right. So, you know, sort of factoring all that stuff in uh, to the bigger picture as well, um, you know, I think is is fun. And I know that we have a much larger ranking than what we've released, and we'll probably mess with it here and there as some things happen and stories develop, et cetera. Um, but I think, you know, overall, um, it was a it was a pretty smooth, seamless process. And when we combined our lists, I think we maybe talked about a handful of players, um, but there was nothing that was like a, a significant gap between the two of us that I can remember, at least in the top 50. You know, I think there may be uh, a few here and there, a Nolan Jones or something where we had a bit of a discrepancy. But I think that's going to happen with some of the more divisive players. I don't know what your thoughts are there. Yeah, I mean, I think... What I found in the top 50, top 100 is that a case can be made for all of them. They're, they're all kind of close. If you think Junior Caminero is um, more valuable than Aaron Judge, then yeah, I can see the case for that. If you think Ellie De La Cruz is, is more valuable than, I don't know, I'm trying to pick someone like Riley Green or, or maybe that's too low. Ellie De La Cruz compared to Bo Bichette, then sure, yeah. 
I can see that, but I can also see the case for Bo Bichette. So it's, it's, there's no real, um, like table pounding saying it's so clear that Bo Bichette's better than Ellie Dela Cruz. You're crazy to think that he's not. Um, because I, th- I think a, a very justifiable case could be made for all these players where they are and we could invert them almost and still have the same ability to back up that, that, that positioning and that ranking. So I think the top 50 top 100 is kind of a, a clear top 100 in however you want to shake it out. And I think that's good for the the listeners to know. I mean, if you want to trade someone that we have ranked 25th for someone who's ranked 35th, like, yeah, by all means, probably makes if it makes sense for your roster then it's probably going to be a good trade for you you don't have to you know be held um hostage by the actual number beside the name um they're all very very close and it all it's all a matter of need it's all a matter of your competitive window it's all a matter of you know positional need so i think uh it, uh, it, you know, it's a kind of a smooth process because all, all the uh, players that we're, we're ranking have a justifiable uh, rationale behind them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that being said, let's talk about a, a few players here in the rankings that I think have maybe some uh, interesting conversations around them. Uh, one in particular, number four, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., what are your thoughts here? I, you know, obviously the numbers were somewhat down last year, but the power speed combination, um, and then what he would do over a full season and what we've seen, um, you know, after missing a year and shaking off the rust, it wasn't all that much of a down year. Um, still very young and plenty of runway in terms of, you know, productive, really highly productive years for him. And I think like you see when, when you look at this this board, there's like this elite group of like guys who could potentially have 30, 30 seasons. And then everybody else who has a lot of good skills one way or the other. But it's like those elite guys that are gonna put up pretty good batting averages, score a lot of runs, drive in a lot of you know, drive in a lot of runs, and then have a chance for 30, 30 totals. Those are kind of the guys up at the top. One hundred percent. It's like Acuna, Julio, Corbin Carroll, Tatis, Bobby Witt, Kyle Tucker. They're all exactly what you said. So any order there for me, really. Um, yeah, I mean, Tatis, he had a down year for sure, but he still had 25 home runs, 29 stolen bases. He was 25-25 in a down year. And he's still 24 years old right now, not turning 25 until January. And if you look at his major league um career i know some of this may be tainted um by peds perhaps but he's averaged over 600 plate appearances he's averaged 35 home runs and 27 stolen bases so he i mean i think he has to be in the top five top six for sure i'm not concerned about uh the stuff in the past he took to right field like a duck to water winning the gold glove changed positions and even in a, you know, kind of tumultuous year for the Padres where they didn't do as well as, you know, people had hoped he, uh, you know, he still kind of thrived um, as much as he could. So I, I like Tatis. He's someone that I would still, I would not be afraid uh, to go after in a dynasty for sure. Yeah. Same here. I think the upside is tremendous. And, you know, like look at a guy like Acuna. Acuna kind of had a downish year coming off of an injury in 2022 and then look at the season that we had it 
Tatis has that upside. He has the upside to go absolutely nuclear in any late given season. And that's what you're betting on. Um, I thought he was kind of an interesting discussion point. I also wanted to make this point. I feel as if like around 11, 12, 13, there is a cliff here, right? Um, when you get past like the Judge, Betts, Strider, maybe even Matt Olson group, then you start to take a little bit more risk on, right? We have Gunner there. We got sorry, sorry, Corey Seager, who's coming off a great year. But if you look at his 2022, he's had down years as well. Um, so kind of interesting, once you get into that group, you got some prospects that are ranked there. But we have one guy I wanted to bring up. Um, I believe we have him at 22. That's Freddie Freeman. He's 34 years old. And I think this is interesting from a dynasty perspective. But he's a first baseman, really high-end skills. You know, the power's never crazy. He's had some big power seasons. But I think, like, if you were going to estimate it out, you're going to project it out, you're probably looking between, like, 24 to 26 home runs in a given season um, with a great counting stats in that Dodgers lineup. And that shouldn't let up anytime soon. And as we talked about at the top of the show, it could potentially even get better. Um, he's a guy at 34 going to age 34 season. I'm still confident gambling on for three to five years, that he could still have really, really good production. I think maybe elite for, for the next three and then sort of four to five. That's still really good. Um, I don't see him falling off a table necessarily. The skills are too high. I guess physically he could break down, but we haven't seen that yet. And it's not like he plays a super demanding position or anything like that. So I um, want to get your thoughts on Freeman because he is unusual in the, the sense that he's 34 years old. He's older than a lot of these other guys that are on the list. Yeah. I mean, I, I really like Freddie Freeman. I'm, uh, the thing with him is you get batting average and you get OBP. Um, you're not getting him for like the 40 home runs or whatever. So he's just a consistent hitter. He's kind of like the Manny Machado, Paul Goldschmidt, but slightly maybe a tier above for that. Um, funny thing is I think he had like his career high in stolen bases last year, which is funny because you're not getting Freddie Freeman for stolen bases. And yet he stole, I can't remember what it was, maybe 15 or something like that, maybe even 20. Um, and which is so funny at age 34. So, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think three seasons for sure he's going to be, in, you know, a top three first baseman probably, unless someone like Manzardo or, or someone pops up and, and, and takes a crown or some young um, up-and-comer comes and, and takes a top three position. But, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be good for three years. Five years, if you're taking him to, you know, compete in year four and five, he start, he's going to start getting long in the tooth then, um, I think. But uh, yeah, I really like Freddie Freeman. I had him basically where he, he is, where we have him. I think I had him there on my personal list as well. So it was, I no concerns. It was 23 home runs. So maybe he's one of those 2020 guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 23 stolen bases. Misspoke there. Yeah, kind of interesting. Here, another one we brought up, um, kind of a more risky guy. Ellie De La Cruz is on this list. Jordan Walker, I don't think it's necessarily risky, but I think could fall into this because uh, could slide back a little bit, move up a little bit. Royce Lewis, I think, kind of falls into this category as well. And then another guy that kind of just slits under the list in C.J. Abrams. And as if all of these guys can be productive fantasy players with very small incremental steps, if any of these guys take a fairly 
sizable step forward, which isn't outrageous when you think about the talent level with the players that we're discussing here and some of the pedigree of some of these players. These are guys that could be top 20 players. Like if Royce Lewis has a full healthy season, we get 145, 150 games out of Royce Lewis. He's a guy that could have 30 home runs and really good counting stats. And I don't know if we're going to see steals like we would have seen three or four years ago out of Lewis. Um, but he's a guy that could pop into like that top two round value. You know, I, I, I mean, I certainly think that Ellie De La Cruz, if he took a big step forward in terms of strikeouts, was walking a little bit more, we know how explosive he, he can be. He's a guy that could take a, a pretty sizable step forward, um, you know, kind of into that group. And then Jordan Walker is a guy that, you know, I think if he materializes a lot of that power with that hit ability, He's not that different from, in terms of the upside, isn't that different from what you, know, you get with a Freeman or like higher and Jordan Alvarez and those kind of guys. That's what I think people have been dreaming on with Walker because he has that kind of impact and he's had the hit tool, the hit ability. And he, you know, showed it last year, even the majors. He was a solid hitter. It wasn't outrageous, but once he came back up, he was really good. And the underlying numbers weren't bad. So, there's a handful of players here where I think there might be a little bit of risk based on what they could, what they scored in 2023, what they could score in 2024. But there's also that potential, that big blow up potential where, you know, you maybe take that chance and you can backfill with some safer players than the, the rounds following or whatever. 100%. I mean, if you're 22 years old, 23 years old, you, have the huge upside you have the huge ceiling to to be even better than we have them and i think that's why we have just ex exactly like you outlined jordan walker ellie de la cruz these guys i mean royce lewis is only 24 he's has less than 300 fewer than 300 plate appearances in the major league career and he has 17 home runs six stolen bases so that's you know 34 home runs and 12 stolen bases in the 600 plate appearance season um like these are the guys you want that are still in their early twenties. These are the guys that all your league mates are are desperate to have as their, you know, their cogs in their lineup and their roster. So if you can get on them before they they take the elevator up to the penthouse and then you're uh you're gonna cash in. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, man. I mean, I don't have too many other players to dive in here. I'll just gonna give a quick plug to go and check out. The Dynasty Top 50, if you haven't. Uh, if you have, go look at it again. Just go look at it again. I don't know. Give me give me a click. Um, we're going to be coming back every single week with lots of fantasy content. I'm really excited for how this is all going to roll out. I think we've got some great stuff for you guys. And it's going to help you win some leagues, help you add some players early, which I think Baseball America's kind of secretly been doing for a while, but we're doing it across the board now with a lot of intent and uh, – I'm happy to have uh, our lead fantasy analyst and the best damn fantasy player in the world, Dylan, uh, way alongside me. So uh, there you go. Any final words for the people, Dylan? Uh, no, other than I really hope Shohei Otani signs with the Jays. We started and we're going to end with the podcast with that book ending, as you will.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.